Hello and welcome to the 4 O'Clock Podcast with me, Richard Goff. On this edition of the 4 O'Clock Podcast, we're in conversation with photographer, CEO and founder of the Web Service Exposure that provides simple but empowering products for storytellers. Luke is also an Englishman who has made Atlanta, USA his home. Luke, welcome to the 4 O'Clock Podcast. Hey, nice to be here. So, Luke, um, your product exposure, a storytelling uh, web service, one that I use myself. Could you just uh, talk us through that, uh, how you started, uh, what it's grown to and, and what you'd like to see coming out of it? Sure. I got to say, this is the first time I've done a podcast with someone who pays me to use my service. So thank you very much for being a supporter you, of what I'm doing. You're um, yeah, exposure is... Um, just shy of um, seven, six years old at this point. Um, and it came out the back of me kind of like taking photography a lot more seriously. At the time, I just moved to San Francisco to join a, a kind of a ideas incubator. It was very, it was never really clearly defined, but it was effectively um, a place where creative developers who, you know, writers, designers, engineers, were given resources to build solutions to problems that they had with the idea that eventually um, something would click or work or be a hit per se. Um, yeah, and uh, given that kind of I'd kind of taken photography a lot more seriously and become a little more aware of kind of the craft outside of Instagram kind of thing, the culture of taking photos as more of a storytelling medium versus a kind of moment medium. Um, uh, when I had come back from a, a trip to Estonia to see some, some, uh, some friends, um, I had ended up with a set of photos I was really proud of probably like my first set of like real DSLR photos that I was like very, very happy with. Um, and they clearly fitted into kind of like a, a narrative of sorts. And I wanted to sh share that and I had no tool that kind of did the job. Um, at this time, you know, I was um, very aware that everything in a timeline is almost like a thumbnail to a bigger story. But but the kind of social engineering of, of social networks had led people to be very um, instantaneous, I guess. <laughs> and um, there was just no platform that would let you talk about the bigger story or the bigger context around um, a set of photos. Um, you know, Flickr was on its way out or at least on its way to stagnating. I think at the time Instagram was still too small of a medium, uh, Twitter, not the right place. I'd also set up like 1000 WordPress sites in my time and Squarespace and Wix. They're all like kitchen sink of CMSs. Like I don't want any of this. Um, I, I kind of just want something that looks like the New York times. Like I have a set of photos and I want something to feel luxurious and flashy and kind of Awesome, but also I don't want to have to like you know put a ton of work on the engineering or layout side. Um, so we ended up in you know I'm in this startup studio where I'm allowed to build pretty much anything I want. Um, and uh, a couple of discussions uh, with Kyle, my old my old co-founder, about kind of like this specific problem. And he's kind of like, well, you kind of like want Medium for photo essays. And um, when I refer to Medium, I mean Medium.com, like the writing experience. Um, They'd always done a really good job at kind of removing obstacles and allowing a place for writers that really just like spoke to them and allowed them to get their writing out very well. Um, and I wanted to do the same thing for kind of visual storytellers. It was like, if there's a service that we can, allows you to kind of like 
throw your story on and it generates a layout or a page or a story that you're really proud of and you want to share, like that would be really helpful. Um, so yeah, we were like, well, let's do some prototyping and let's kind of experiment around. Um, I had a bunch of static designs, which I still have some, um, some PSDs of kicking around on my computer that I had sent to friends who I think would be useful for this, like a couple of bloggers, a couple um, folks who were on tour with bands, a couple of professional photographers. And they were like, this is really, this is really nice. Like, is this part of Squarespace or is this part of another service? And I'm like, no, we're going to build it. And they're like, okay, I would love to give it a try when you're done. And I was like, okay, that's a good sign. So um, a couple of phases of janky, horrible prototypes later, um, we kind of got into a spot where we had started letting people play with it and the reaction was really good. Um, purely because we focused on the, the experience of not being cumbersome and actually having an enjoyable experience to put it together. Um, so yeah, once we had a couple of people like really being sounding very strongly about it, we just kind of went for it. We like productized it. Um, and, uh, December, 2013, I think was like a formal launch. Um, yeah, and that was kind of that was the start of the journey. Anyway, there's a lot of nuance about like developing product and startup stuff, and um, kind of more um, being in Silicon Valley, building something like that. Um, but you know, we took hopefully like a problem that is going to be around for a very long time. Like the, the people still the what am I trying to say? Um, the the idea of being unencumbered to to publish a story simply and effectively is still a problem to this day outside of exposure. Like too many people consider the store, the timeline of their Instagram or Twitter, like the only place to tell longer form stories through various <laughs> sections of posts, which is like a horrible way to, to, to communicate a story. Um, I mean, if I may, hmm? I, I found when I discovered exposure, uh, it's excited me because I had sets of photographs from stories that I'd worked on in, in the past. And I now had identified a way of telling them, mm -hmm. but I also realized that when I went to do something new, I knew it was going to end up in exposure. So change my approach. Mm -hmm. Um, because it allowed me the opportunity to do the establishing shot, the close-up shot, mm -hmm. the, the, uh, the moment that you really want to put across, but knowing full well that I'd be able to present it the way that I could see it. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, almost like designing a gallery viewing where you put your images on uh, the walls in a way that you want people to consume them. And, and that's how I connected with exposure the first time I still have my Flickr accounts. Uh, I've like yourself have used WordPress sites, but it is an empowering medium that I, I feel that your, your company and yourself have delivered. My, my question is, is that did you see it as a photographer all the time or was there just something else influencing um, your design of the solution? Um, I mean, I've always been pretty interested in, um, the editorial design as a whole. So like there was a lot of components of that where I was like, what happens if you can make a service that feels like the New York times without the hundreds and thousands of dollars it costs to maintain a website like that. Um, initially it did just start off as like, my problem is that me, the identified photographer has nowhere to put these like longer form stories together. Um, and my behavior is changing to where I'm shooting more stories than moments. Um, 
but as the service has progressed, kind of like it's the it's the markets that have been using it have kind of like definitely expanded outside of just photography. Now it's like nonprofits and sports teams and brands and um, even, you know, some government organizations, we have like a state department using it or a embassy and things like that. So it's, it's kind of, while initially conceived as a tool for photography, it has, it has evolved into a tool for visual storytelling because visual storytelling is still going to be the most impactful way for you to get your complicated or simple story across regardless. Um, so it's 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 definitely still at heart for photographers, but obviously you know the the tooling and the product has has kind of uh, matured to be a lot more powerful depending on what you need it for. Um, but I still you know <laughs> I'm still very much building it for myself in my own in my own way. Um, and uh, you know there's there's probably it's about a third of professional photographers that use it, and then like the other two thirds are split between like various different types of brands and sports teams and schools. Um, so yeah, we have a lot of we have a lot of um, feedback about what's needed from from a visual storytelling platform, and then we've kind of worked on it since then. But uh, you know, it's always going to be photography at the core for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and I, I must admit, I do feel that I'm a storyteller, not a photographer, mm-hmm. and probably have always been a storyteller since I was 11 and started using cameras. But um, it's always more than one image that I think delivers the. Uh, message uh home so exposure uh i saw that during uh lockdown and around covid19 as a company you were really um focused on helping people and and you you changed uh some of the uh setup and costs to actually allow more people to use it as a community tool as part of their communication while people are in lockdown. Was that a very, very easy thing for you to do? Was it a suggestion from within your community? Um, some part, like I kind of do always, hopefully with the company, especially the go going high is the easiest thing you can do when in times of crisis. Um, especially if realistically exposure is a profitable cash stable business. So there's a lot of slack to either, you know, um, in, in COVID's case, we were, you know, just deferring payments for an entire year or just letting people off their yearly charge or monthly charge or whatever they needed really. Um, and we had a, like a pretty, we had a pretty good, good (laughs) relatively response to that. And I think we, you know, we, we ended up uh, forgiving like upwards of like six or $7,000 worth of charges, I think. Um, but those things are like easy when you have the, the, the balance to support it. And we've kind of always ex- built exposure on this kind of bootstrap slash very frugal lean terms. Um, it's not a grow by any means kind of business. So that allows us to adapt quickly to those kind of things. And from a, from a, you know, shareholder perspective, we're not bogged down with investors or things like that. So, um, when it, when we, when we can react quickly, it's, it's easy to, and again, like going high is the easiest, is the easiest thing to do. And, and people, people pour a lot of time into stories. So we should work, we should like, you know, work with them to protect, protect their work where we can. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, um, I don't know. It's like, who knew this <laughs> when really, when you think about January and all the stuff I was planning and then the reaction to, to, uh, a global pandemic plus like, you know, Black Lives Matter across America, like everything, is upside down from a from a like what we should be working on perspective but i still i'm still glad that we made those changes um 
Um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm still like very much, uh, helping people with, uh, the COVID response. There was a, I think a, three people this week have just emailed him and like, Hey, you know, it'd be great if I didn't have to pay any payments till December or whatever. I'm like, yeah, sure. That's fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just, re- I'm just, I'm, it's a, it's a, we have a high level of confidence to help when we have been set up for sustainability. That's an overarching theme is that exposure is, it's pretty much can't go away overnight unless there's some catastrophic financial meltdown of our banking system. We lost all our money or something, but, um, the actual service as a whole is so bulletproof that it'd be very difficult for us not to do the right thing. <laughs> well, I, certainly know that um it will be appreciated uh, by everyone that feels supported by that so you're an englishman that ended up in atlanta mm-hmm. that's now your home i've been lucky enough to visit atlanta many years ago and it is a very um rich in history uh, place in america could you tell us how you ended up there how you got there sure what was your journey um, so yeah, I officially moved to the U.S. full time um, to move to San Francisco to play play startup boy is my is my story. Um, kind of got what I wanted out of that experience. Um, San Francisco, California, very cool, very interesting place, but very um, uh, when people would describe the bubble of the coasts, like California is very much one. Um, and to to live in America, I think you need to see a lot more of it. And um, at a certain point, we kind of um, I got married to a beautiful American, a beautiful American woman who's very smart and much better than me. Um, and uh, we were both in a situation where we didn't need to stay in San Francisco, and we were considering putting down permanent roots, like buying a home. You don't really do that in San Francisco nicely because it's such an expensive city. Um, and she wanted to go back to school to become a marriage and family therapist, which had been on her mind for a very long time. Um, we interviewed in a bunch of schools. She got in a bunch of places, but. Um, after she got into a school here, we did some field trips to kind of see what it was about and, you know, experience kind of the couple friends we already had here. Um, her family is from this, from two hours away. So like that was obviously a big draw that we can go see, see family more than once a year for Christmas. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, once we kind of like realized that Alana is definitely, um, a kind of perfect, uh, perfect move to really um, embed yourself in American culture um, from a historic standpoint and a forward-facing standpoint. Um, yeah, we we just were like, there's rules. And then we bought a house in like eight months. We were like, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> this is this is exactly the kind of place that I was hoping to end up in. And uh, um, you don't really you don't really understand um, the 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 American story without understanding the Southeast for good and bad. Um, and Atlanta is a, yeah, a historic, historic crossroads for a lot of things. There's a lot of people probably realize it was very much part of, uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s life. Um, and there is a memorial for him in Atlanta as a kind of semi outside observer in America today. And this podcast is recorded in 2020 during the middle of a, a global pandemic, what's it like observing inwards and outwards, not only through uh, your customers that are used exposure to tell some compelling stories, but from just an everyday standpoint as a storyteller living in Atlanta? Uh, it's pretty frustrating it for a lot of reasons. Um, so I live a very identified privileged life where like I haven't, not, not during a global pandemic and some of the biggest, you know, 
civic protests in American history, like I, my life did not change very much because of the kind of neighborhood we live in. I work, I work from home, things like that. But, um, to identify just how like the razor thin margins that America operates on the like very, it doesn't take much to pull everybody out in the status quo and realize like just how much needs work. Um, I, you know, from living in the most powerful country in the world and, you know, and then looking at, you know, many other countries that are almost getting quasi back to normal from the pandemic standpoint on like America's only on a trajectory of like infinite cases right now. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's like, you want to, you want to believe that like this, this giant, <laughs> this giant country of, of, of some of the most, the biggest economy in the world can, can support the, its citizens and everything that comes with, um, a, a nationwide health crisis. And like it, they, don't <laughs> and um it's like just incredibly frustrating to uh come from a country where it's like one kind of one government regardless of you know how terrible they did they still are on track to do better than the states i think there are more more deaths this is the uk government. yeah sorry when i yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. like i am perfectly aware there's uh, i don't keep 100 percent tabs but i'm i'm aware enough of the spread and the infection rate and death rate etc like that and i shouldn't have to talk about the like the UK has had more, has had less deaths uh, in the past like week than Georgia has is in the past like three days or something like that. Like so, it's um it's tough. It's because uh, I want to I want to I, I moved here because you know there's all the opportunity and it's kind of what I feel like Europeans are like yeah America rules and then you get here and you're like oh god there's so much to there's so much to absorb and process and figure out how to make, how to, how to just compensate here. But, um, uh, I don't know. It's, it's such a tricky, it's such a tricky one. Cause like, I love, I love, I'm like about to start my naturalization process so I can vote and I can become, you know, a, a real citizen. But at the same time, this is like, wow, that, it's, how do you, how do you really sit down and kind of process what's going on? Um, especially with the current administration, it's, <laughs> it's almost every day it, is exhausting for some reason. We live in strange times, but for a, a storytelling viewpoint, and again, back to uh, exposure, mm -hmm. uh, have you seen a uh, an uptake in COVID kind of related storytelling on the exposure site? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we are doing a, we're going to do a compilation at some point. I was just kind of like <laughs> um, putting out fires in between them. Um, yeah, there's a lot from, from, well, from an American standpoint, there's a lot of people who have kind of taken to what it's like to share, well, they're sharing experience of what it's like to live in a, a very kind of like socially isolated environment, um, by not being able to see their friends or not being able to go to work or whatever like that. So there's, there's a lot of very historic storytelling in that context that like, this is the biggest social experiment that we will ever probably participate in, in our lives. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot more people going hiking or going on or spending time outdoors, which is very cool. And there's been a definite uptick in the way that people are, um, using this time to explore what's in their immediate surroundings. And that most of the times means, you know, the trails and things like that. Um, but then on, you know, the European or, you know, Southeast Asia side, like it's kind of people like getting back to normal and like they're, they're having, they're doing storytelling around like what it was like before and after, they were not allowed to leave their homes for several months on end. Um, so yeah, not, not a, not a topic I was expecting to happen this year, but it's certainly, 
there's certainly a, it's it's I don't know it's it's kind of a, exposure is this unique little place on the internet. Well, quite niche has like this very powerful aspect to of, to it. Um, uh, one of the more fascinating use cases has been schools because obviously there's schools have graduations that they weren't allowed to do. Um, and they're doing recruitment for their, you know, next year's students that they're not allowed to do tours on campus. So they're, you know, there's, um, many virtual tours popping up, which is basically a story per part of the campus. And from the graduation standpoint, you know, there are people who are doing drive-by graduations where like everybody just gets in like a kind of car motorcade and drives through the neighborhoods and things like that. Um, so again, like a very, I don't know where else this kind of content would live. Um, so I'm very happy to host this kind of stuff because it's a very historic time. You know, there's, this is going to look, all these stories are going to look completely insane to people in like three years. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. Has these changing circumstances in the last few months changed any planned direction of your development of the platform? Yeah, a little bit. Um, we've certainly kind of... Um, we took a couple, probably a few months of steps to really consider the, well, not, re, not consider, like re-examine the um, service costs of kind of every component of the of the infrastructure. Ended up saving like a good like twenty percent of what we were charging, uh, what we were being charged before. So only adding, we've basically expanded our runway indefinitely because we've you know took the time to like okay well. For example, our um, so we use Amazon Web Services like the rest of the internet to host the site, um, and they they're one of their services S3, which is basically like data storage. So every time you upload a photo into Exposure, it goes into Amazon S3, and we um, we never really considered the uh, S, uh, S3 has different storage classes, so it's cheaper to store data you never access and more expensive to uh, to access data frequently. Um, but there are tons of photos and exposure that never get accessed either through the accounts being stale or just like, you know, they're just not as popular. Um, so yeah, we, we ended up writing some, some of the workflows and we now move, uh, storage that is not being used to a cheaper class of storage and have, have saved a ton of money during that. Um, so in a weird way, like pandemic has been a good for the health of the company because we've re-examined a lot of the a lot of the components of the infrastructure that would that generally cost a lot of money. Um, so yeah, there was a couple like nervous months of that because I'm like, you know, I want I wanted to like double check that we were in a great shape, um, which which again just takes away focus from the development of the actual product and kind of the bigger plans we have. Um, but otherwise, no, it's been you know being at home like in this kind of capacity, you actually get. Sorry, uh, you actually get a considerable amount done. <laughs> I think I've done more work um, on the nitty gritty than I than I've done in, in quite a few months. Um, but that's purely because, like, you know, I don't really leave this room. <laughs> um, but we've managed to get video, like native video upload for the platform has been requested for many years, and we've just finished a big rewrite of our image processing, which also includes video processing, which also includes audio processing. Um, so video is now quietly launched with a formal launch in the next couple of weeks. So if you are on the platform, you can go upload videos straight into it now with a couple playback modes, kind of brings a new new life to the to the platform, which is cool. Um, and then in the coming weeks, like audio will come. Um, so, you know, if you want to do a narrated version of your story or if you're one of the storytellers, like street photography, if you were out and you just recorded some street ambience, 
you'll now be able to upload that into the story and play it as you look through, which I think I like, we've seen people do it with SoundCloud embeds and I'm very excited for people to kind of explore what a sonic visual story sounds like. I I am totally alert now <laughs> because I, I did a project a couple of years ago called Sensing the Street mm. and it was street photography of around an area of East London called Brick Lane, which is just kind of famous mm -hmm. for its quirkiness and graffiti and street artists. And so I spent about six months capturing uh, individuals, doing some sound recording of musicians, interviews with some artists and that actually became the only exhibition I've ever held. Oh. So when you went to the exhibition, you could see the photography, scan a QR code to listen to the audio behind it mm. and scratch and sniff some of the Ooh, smells. I don't know if we can build that. Yeah, I don't know how know, to do that yet. On the internet. That didn't work that well, <laughs> but it was a concept. But I've still got all my content, so I guess I know what my next exposure story will be. It will be a digital version of Sensing the Street. So that's really interesting. That that That's, again, another storytelling tool that is exciting. Yeah, we've kind of expanded the, the, the tagline a little bit to be like the storytelling CMS. So like it, there's a lot that is involved. And for those that aren't aware, CMS is a content management system, which is kind of the back office of imagery, text, and files that make the website looks so good. Yeah. So any experience, so the people always enjoyed the experience of just being able to upload photos in such an easy way. And we do all the processing and optimizing, et cetera. So we've just expanded that to video and then very shortly audio. Um, and then, you know, that's kind of like, we, we've covered a pretty big spectrum of media then. And then it's kind of more iterating on um, the format itself. Like, you know, is there a presentation mode? Is there something we can do with, um, uh, Mozilla um, Firefox has a web VR API. We've considered doing some sort of like um, VR. VR being virtual reality. Yes, yeah. <laughs> all the exposure stories in some hindsight, in in some in some shape or form. Sorry. Um, so yeah, once once you have photos, video, and audio, um, it does open the kind of open open a, a lot more landscape to what you can do with the platform. Um, we've heard a lot from the nonprofits, um, specifically that, you know, for, from an accessibility standpoint, audio is really good to offer it as you can offer like a custom screen read version versus the native screen readers and things like that. So, um, it's going to be, I think it's going to be very cool actually. Like the audio stuff I'm weirdly excited about in a, in a, in a, in a, like, I didn't expect to be as stoked on it, but, um, the experience is really nice the players track you down the page and you know, you can have multiple players in the story and eventually there'll be, you know, respectful auto playing. If you hover, if you're near a photo where the audio is attached, it'll play like your, your project, you know, it would auto play the sound of the, the sound of the photo. Um, so yeah, there, we're, we've moved the pro we've moved the product along this year for sure, but obviously, you know, we were sidetracked by, defending uh sustainability a little harder to make sure we we are fine through um this economic downturn or upturn depending on what day the american market is looking at um so yeah we're, we're while while distracted by by kind of making sure we're okay uh, we've still we still moved a lot along luke thank you it's a really good insight into a tool and product that i love um and I think it's an exciting time for storytellers because it's sad uh, that the world is in a global pandemic, but actually there's so much opportunity for storytellers to 
share their experiences and expose what's not good, but also expose um, what is really powerful and good. So uh, I wish you well with the exposure experience. Luke, thank you for joining the four o'clock podcast today. I will put in the show notes links to all the products we've discussed. But finally, Luke, thank you for your time today. No, absolutely. Pleasure. I, again, I can't say I've spoken to an actual exposure customer like this before. So um, I'm very happy to hear from you. And uh, if anybody uh, that listens to your show would like um, a little discount or, you know, would, any questions, I'm happy to talk shop or talk discounts, whatever you need. So, um, but yeah, you do great work. So I'm, I'm very happy that you asked me to do this. Luke, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this edition of the four o'clock podcast with me, Richard Goff. Until we listen together again, goodbye.